Hi, I'm Mike Ashcraft, pastor currently in Van Nuys, California. You could go to just any financial professional, but not every financial professional understands the idiosyncrasies of fellowship pastors and church members. We don't need cookie cutter solutions. We need solutions for pioneers and for laborers who put God first. How can you get your money to make money for you so you don't have to work so much and so that you have more time for ministry? And how can you take care of your family in the event of a tragedy? Call me today. The consultation is no charge. I'm at 310-403-6471. That's 310-403-6471. Welcome to the Taking the Land podcast. Land podcast. This is your home for daily audio sermons from Christian Fellowship Ministries. God has gifted our fellowship with some of the finest preachers in the world that we want to share. Amen. Thank you very, very much. What an awesome uh, conference. I hope we maintain our appreciation for the diet that we get during conference. This is a veritable feast, uh, and we're going to be all better for it. Uh, What a great uh, message by Pastor Ruby. Uh, Pastor Warner, Pastor Mitchell, and all others. Uh, I'm so grateful for the effort that they put into uh, hearing from God and presenting uh, revelation to us. Turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 40. I'm going to read just two verses from uh, the very lengthy narrative of the biography of Joseph. And it was one of those uh, moments uh, when you read the Bible and Uh, a particular scripture that you may have read many times, hundreds of times even, uh, but this particular time it leapt off the page. uh, And uh, I put this message together as a result of that experience. Um, And so I want to minister this morning from this text in Genesis chapter 40. Sometimes destiny is hanging by a thread. I'm not actually holding a thread, but I could be because you wouldn't see it anyway. (laughs) Your destiny is like a hundred pound weight and it's being held up by a thread and sometimes the thread breaks and destiny can be shattered. Why? Because it is fragile. Your destiny You may think it's as solid as a rock and absolute and a guarantee that it's going to occur, but it's actually (coughs) very, very fragile. But even if your destiny, as fragile as it is, the thread is broken and it's been shattered, you're in the right place this morning. God is a repairer of broken destiny. And no matter how many pieces it may be in, God can put it back together. Your destiny depends on how you handle certain things in your life. And mishandling something is what can break the thread and shatter a destiny. You have to properly handle money, for example. You have to properly handle offense, success. Failure, 
All those things have to be properly handled. I want you to consider a man by the name of Anthony Ray Hinton. Here's his picture. That picture very much portrays his disposition. He's about my age, very happy, very fulfilled in life. He's a successful author and motivational and public speaker. He's done commencements at a number of colleges and universities. But there's a backstory. Anthony Ray Hinton spent 28 years on death row in Alabama for crimes he did not commit, a double murder. But despite his unjust incarceration, Hinton maintained his dignity. Hinton's ability to channel his experience into positive change demonstrates his resilience and refusal to let bitterness consume him. Shortly after his arrest, Detective Doug Acker told Hinton, I don't care whether you did it or not. In fact, I believe you didn't do it, but it doesn't matter if you didn't do it. One of your brothers did, and you're going to take the rap for it. We've got you. I can give you five reasons why they're going to convict you. Number one, you're black. Number two, a white man's going to say you shot him. Number three, you're going to have a white district attorney. Number four, you're going to have a white judge. And number five, you're going to have an all-white jury. You're done for. For the next 28 years, Anthony Ray Hinton had to wake up in a prison cell he didn't belong in. When you're on death row in Alabama, you are in solitary confinement. Nearly three decades he spent there. When he was finally exonerated, he wrote a book called The Sun Does Shine, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row. Who thinks this way? Who can survive this? Could you? You can't even handle the minor injustices that we deal with. And we'll get to that. Who thinks like this man thought? You can take that down. How did he draw the conclusions that facilitated his ability to survive and flourish? What a subtitle for his book, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row. Our case in point is Joseph in the book of Genesis. He suffered under the weight of incredible injustice. All the while, an incomprehensible destiny is incubating. Over the process of years, while he's suffering injustice and seeming nothing is being done about it or can be done about it. A lot of good came out of the injustice he suffered. Why? Because he handled it wisely and he kept his heart right. Injustice is one of the threads upon which your destiny hangs. And that thread will break and maybe has broken this morning because you have not or are not processing 
the injustice that's been perpetrated upon you. So let's read our two verses. This is deep into the story. Joseph is in prison. He interprets the dream of the baker and the butler. The butler, the baker rather, is executed. The butler is freed from prison. And these two verses are what leapt out at me as Joseph pleads with the butler because of the injustice that he is experiencing and he's so desperately and passionately wanting something to be done about it. And he says to the butler, verse 14 of Genesis 40, remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this house for I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. That's the passion of a man who's crying out for justice in the atmosphere of injustice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all the messages thus far this week, this morning, all that you've done at the altar, all that you're going to do this morning. We give you praise for it now, for the deliverance, the freedom, the liberty that you're going to produce and the repairing of damaged destiny because of the mishandling of injustice. And Lord, we thank you for that. So let's talk about the reality of injustice. Injustice is a very real experience that every one of you is going to endure or is enduring or has endured at some point in your life and maybe multiple points as was the case with Joseph. This is a harsh reality of living in a fallen world, living in an imperfect world, living where injustice can be so prevalent. The word simply means to experience unwarranted or unfair treatment. There have been cases, and I've known of them personally, where prosecutors and police and investigators doctor evidence to get a conviction on someone they know is innocent, but they need a conviction. They want a conviction. They need the, the, the feather in their cap. And they don't care about the individual. They care more about what their need is. And so injustice can prevail at very high levels. There are occasions in your life where you are going to be misunderstood. And no amount of effort on your part is going to be able to fix it. The truth about a situation is not going to be realized and you're going to have to live with that. The majority may believe other, something other than what is true. You know the truth. You know what happened. But the more you try to impose the truth on the situation, the more divisive it can become. Decisions can be made about you that are wrong. Anthony Ray Hinton was convicted in a court of law. He was arrested. He was charged. Evidences, evidence and witnesses were lined up. A verdict was rendered. He was hauled off to prison. Most everyone was convinced of his guilt, except for the fact that he wasn't guilty. Imagine what the sound 
was like of that solitary confinement prison door when it closed on him, when he was delivered to his cell for the first time. And he's having to ponder and meditate on his fate. I have a man uh, in my church, he's actually on our staff, Ernie Lopez. He got saved in our church in 1981, became one of the leaders, one of the most stellar members of our congregation. He never felt back then a call to preach. He got a university degree and got very high-end jobs with Wrangler. And then eventually with Levi's, he managed one of the factories that produced Levi's in El Paso. It was a very high-paying, very challenging, very pressurized job. Levi's went out of business in El Paso in 2003. He got hired by another company and was put in a very high position. They were involved in producing the chemical suits for the military and that was back during the run-up to the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan. And so it was a very high-pressure job. The company that he was hired by went from I think 400 employees to 5,000 employees in a three and a half year period. He was charged with overseeing all those employees and the manufacturer. Well, to make a long story short, his boss was corrupt. The uh, district attorneys, the judges, the media, the press uh, went after him. He cut a deal with the district attorney, uh, uh, threw Ernie under the bus, uh, and Ernie was convicted for wrongdoing that he never perpetrated. A guilty verdict. This uh, caused all of us to go into uh, a level of turmoil. I was talking to Pastor Mitchell Sr. about it. He knows uh, uh, new Pastor Ernie Lopez, uh, the highest of reputations in our congregation uh, and of everyone that knew him. Uh, when they arrested him, uh, they put him in an orange jumpsuit, uh, frog marched him through downtown. Uh, it was on the five o'clock news. He was in chains. It was incomprehensible uh, that it was happening, sitting through the trial. Uh, the judge, the prosecutors worked as a team uh, against the defense and kept pushing back uh, on any evidence or any witnesses uh, that our side had. Uh, and he was found guilty on, I think, three uh, of 17 uh, charges and was sentenced to three and a half years uh, in prison. There were even people in my church that were saying, well, he must have done something wrong. That had to be swallowed. Joseph is our case in point. Hated by his brothers, jealous of their father's love for him. You know the story. I don't have time to go into all the details. Uh, they sell him into slavery. He's bought as a slave. You know, what must that have been like? You wake up one morning uh, the favored son of your father, uh, very joyfully going out to find your brothers to see how they're doing. Uh, and that night you go to bed as a bought slave. He's got a process. There's nothing he can do. He can't plead his case to anyone. There's no one to plead it to. And injustice, uh, the injustice that you may be dealing with is frustrating uh, because there's nothing you can do about it. There's no way to get the truth out. There's no way to defend yourself. There's no one to hear your cause. There's no one with any power to support you. He's a victim of his brother's hatred. 
and then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, then prisoned for years, up to 10 to 12 years, and forgotten about. No one to speak for him, nobody to listen to him, no one to plead his cause. Uh, there's no pastor visiting him. Uh, no, no Bible that he can read. Uh, no, no kind of good. Ki- he's just sitting there by himself. And he's got to process this within himself. And in our text, after being in prison already for some years, uh, Joseph interprets the dream of the butler. The butler and the baker had been thrown into prison. Pharaoh got upset with them, threw them into prison. They both had dreams. Uh, Joseph interprets the dream of the butler and he sees an opportunity for justice. Remember me, please show kindness. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of here. He's pleading like we plead. Weeping like we weep. Surely the baker will speak well of me. He's going to talk to the man himself. Not. And two more years languishing in that prison cell forgotten about. Joseph is a target for injustice because God has a destiny for him. Injustice can be two things. It can be the strategy of hell to try to destroy you, but it can also be a mechanism to draw you in to an incredible future that you would never have but for the injustice. And that's the common experience of life. And of course, Joseph doesn't stand alone. There are so many examples of injustice in the Bible. And sometimes it not rectified, not anytime soon anyway. God, under his oversight, allows injustice to play out without taking any action to rectify it. And it becomes one of the great tests of your life that can contribute to the producing of your destiny. Consider Uriah the husband of Bathsheba. Uriah is one of David's mighty men. We know nothing about good from him from the Bible. He's one of David's mighty men. And then after David got his wife pregnant, he calls for Uriah to come from the battlefield so that he can sleep with his wife and then cover his sin. But Uriah refuses. No, my men, my brethren are out in the battlefield. I'm not going to go in and enjoy my wife. And he slept on the king's porch for two nights. And because David's plot failed, He then hatches a plan to have Uriah killed in battle. He wrote in the letter saying, David did set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down. Imagine what that was like for Uriah. He's in an intense battle. He's surrounded by maybe 50, 75, 100 of his brethren, and they're fighting hard. And then somehow a secret message is sent to everyone but him to withdraw. And he's there fighting, and his men are along, and suddenly they're not there. And he turns, and he wonders what is going on, and he's struck and killed. Nothing in the Bible about this man's evil or wickedness or sin, only good. The similar happened to Naboth. He's the one with the vineyard. 
who wouldn't sell it to Ahab because it was commonwealth for the benefit of the children of Israel. He said, I can't sell it to become a personal possession of anyone. It's for the commonwealth. This upset Ahab, which in turn upset Jezebel. They hatched a plot to throw a feast to honor Naboth. Had two scoundrels come in to make accusation. They pulled him out and stoned him to death again. Imagine what he's thinking and what he's going through in those final moments of his life as injustice seems to win. And of course, the primary example would be Jesus. Convicted in the way that convictions happened in those days as a criminal worthy of crucifixion. And of course, Jesus himself allowed that injustice to play out because he had to. It was part of God's plan. Pilate then went out and said to the crowd in John 19, 4, Behold, I am bringing Jesus out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Pilate has power, but it's overpowered by the crowd and he's a politician. He doesn't want to be in disfavor with such a huge mob and against his own better judgment, uh, he allows injustice to play out. So I wonder this morning, this being a common experience in life, how has injustice played out in your life? How is it playing out right now? You're being misunderstood. You're being lied about. You're being slandered. Decisions have been made that that are not based on truth or reality. Nevertheless, they seem to be winning the day. In school, your hard work is not being recognized because a professor doesn't like you and he gives you bad marks on your work. At, at, on your job, you're the one that deserves the promotion. You've been going in early, leaving late, and, and doing extra, and doing hard work, and wielding influence, and, and enhancing the bottom line of the business or the company that you work for. But some, you know, favored individual who has the same last name as the boss gets the promotion. Racism. Favor or disfavor based on race or economic status. That plays out in the justice system. If you've got a lot of money, you can get good representation. If you don't, uh, the representation is not as good. With Early Lopez, we learned that the decision of guilty was made beforehand. We're going to get him convicted. How do we go about that? Let's get this guy to say thus and such and this one to say thus and such. Let's deny this witness to testify. And it was already determined. And Ernie became a victim of terrible injustice. Injustice is not always intentional. The person perpetrating the injustice may think they're doing right. Potiphar believes his wife. He's got to live with his wife. He believes her. It's right to put Joseph in prison for what he's tried to do. So let's look at the test that's here. The central theme of this story is not that Joseph experienced egregious injustice, but how he handled it. It's not that 
Anthony Ray Hinton was falsely convicted and spent 22, 28 years in solitary confinement on death row. It's not that that happened. It's how this man handled it. Joseph is desperate for justice. We see that in these two verses. They're filled with emotion. Get me out of this place, please. Speak to Pharaoh. He's desperate for justice as anyone would be and as you may be. But that desperation sometimes can taint the landscape of your life and affect decisions in a wrong way and can cause that thread of destiny to break and to snap. In Joseph's case, the injustice doesn't become the obsession of his life to the point that he cannot do any good. He serves. He did good for Potiphar and his household and his business interests. And then once he's in jail, he again serves. What triggered Joseph to interpret the dreams of the butler and the baker is that they had the appearance of sadness that affected Joseph. He saw that. What's wrong with you, gentlemen? How can I help you? How can I serve you? Injustice sometimes can render a person completely dysfunctional, bitter, angry, vengeful. It dominates the landscape of your life. You live in vexation and torment. You can't pray. You can't read your Bible. You would never notice if anyone around you is sad. It taints everything. Remember me when it is well with you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. Get me out. I was stolen away. I've done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. Let's look at this from God's perspective. And that really is the amazing feature of the story. Over and over and yes, over again, the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph while doing nothing about righting the injustice. The Lord was with Joseph at the same time he doesn't do anything to render justice, to make things right, to fix an unjust situation. Genesis 39.1, now Joseph had been taken to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And Potiphar made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. Injustice is still prevailing, folks. He's a bought slave. God works not to repair the injustice, but to bless him where he is. Can you handle that? So what does that mean? It means that the injustice was too valuable right now for God to eliminate it. It was valuable to God that Joseph 
be challenged with the injustice uh, to determine the kind of man he is uh, that was more valuable to God than rendering justice uh, where there was injustice. So I'm going to show him favor. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to help him. I'm going to advance him, uh, but I'm not going to fix the injustice that's too valuable to me right now. Pastor, I knew I wasn't going to like this sermon. And Joseph has to accept that. I mean, what kind of a mind game would that play? God, if you're going to go through all the trouble to be with me and to show me favor and to cause, why not just fix the injustice? That's how you can demonstrate that you're with me and bless me. We think that if, in, that if justice can be rendered, it must be at the soonest possible moment, right? That's why you're praying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Because you know God can fix things. God is able, his grace is sufficient, but he is not. And the point is that God can be with you without rectifying the injustice. And we think that if injustice prevails, God isn't with us. He's forgotten about us. Joseph was not, he is wanting justice, but he's not so obsessed with getting swift justice that the thread breaks. He's not so obsessed with getting justice that he can't serve faithfully with a good heart where he is. Sometimes, Bringing justice is not as important to God as it is to us. It wasn't that important to God to render justice in the time frame that Joseph is pleading for. Go talk to Pharaoh. Get me out of this place, please. I've done nothing to deserve being here. He wants out and he wants out now. And it was important to him, but it wasn't important to God, not then. God, how can you allow injustice to prevail? Well, he does. And it goes on for years. And then after being a bought slave, as I mentioned, the false accusation and the imprisonment. Genesis 39, 19, so it was when, Joseph master, when Joseph's master heard the words which his wife spoke, your servant did to me after this manner, Potiphar's anger was aroused. Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Maybe you won't find justice until you discover that. Can you allow God to bless you where you are without fixing the injustice? Can you find, what do you think David meant when he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And then again in Genesis 39, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners. He becomes the trustee. Whatever they did there, it was his doing, Joseph's doing. And the keeper of the prison didn't look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Because the Lord was with him. There's that phrase again. 
And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. God is going to do all that, but he's not going to get Joseph justice, not yet. Could you swallow that? And I found this scripture in Psalms. There's no evidence of it in Genesis, I don't think. But somehow this revelation came to David and he wrote in Psalms 105, he set a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters and he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested Joseph. Injustice is painful. How do you keep your heart right? Month after month, year after year, decade after decade on death row in Alabama in solitary confinement for 28 years. And this all happened while the Lord is with him and all these good things are going on and ministry is playing out. People are being helped and served and blessed. The injustice isn't being dealt with. And then the crushing blow of disappointment that stems from our text. Genesis chapter 40 and Joseph said, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. This is the dream of the butler. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place and will put Pharaoh's cup in your hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. And Joseph is thinking, oh, this is my moment. This is my opportunity after years to get justice. After the miracle interpretation of a dream, it comes true. The butler's in front of Pharaoh by that very night. Finally, someone can believe in me and advocate me uh, for me. Uh, the butler met me and has kind words about me. Uh, and I've helped him and shown him favor uh, and given him peace in his life. And you can imagine Joseph's hopes beginning to soar. He's dreaming about getting out, about what that first shower and shave and clean clothes is going to be like, getting back to his homeland. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him two more years. I imagine the first day that the butler was let out of jail, Joseph stood with his hands on the bars, looking toward the door, entering into his cell block. Think at any moment they're going to come, the keys are going to unlock, and they're going to say, the butler is outside to meet with you and escort you home or out of this place. And so he waits that day. Oh, maybe, maybe it couldn't quite come about. And so the next day he's there again. And his emotions and his hopes and his dreams and his aspirations of finally getting out of here and getting justice are soaring. But then the days pass and the weeks pass and the months pass and years. Imagine the crushing blow of justice being frustrated yet again. Let's look at victory. God is a God of justice. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever accuse God in the face of your injustice. Don't ever shake your fist at him. Because if you keep doing that, that thread's going to break. You're going to shatter a destiny. This gentleman that I mentioned in our introduction, uh, Anthony Ray Hinton, 
has the incredible life that he does now because he kept his heart right. He didn't wallow in bitterness and anger uh, and then seek revenge after he got out of prison. He found life and freedom on death row. (laughs) Justice delayed is not justice denied. Granted, there may be elements of justice that will not be rectified until eternity. Read the book of Hebrews. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. So some injustice may play out throughout this earthly life, but right is going to be made right when we stand before a living God. In the case of Joseph, God was working. He's always working. He's aware he's a God of justice. Sometimes his purposes are more important than the immediate rendering of justice. God is doing something in your heart in the face of the injustice that's being perpetrated against your life. And so in our texts, further from where I read, we see God's plan unfolding. Years of injustice and years of being forgotten. And then in Genesis 41, then it came to pass at the end of two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. It came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. He called for the magicians. magicians. There was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph and Joseph came to Pharaoh. We know the story, how he interpreted the dream. Seven years of plenty. Joseph's now promoted to becoming prime minister of the entire land. The only one more powerful than him was Pharaoh. He's wearing the garments of royalty. He has power. And then the inevitable happens. The seven years of famine, of plenty rather, come to an end. And the famine begins. And then some years probably into the famine, maybe two... Joseph's father, who thought Joseph was dead, sends his brothers, Joseph's brothers, his sons, to buy food in Egypt because they had food. And so here they are now. They had to go to Joseph. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. What are you going to do now that you have power over the ones who perpetrated the injustice? What do most people do? If they've been feeding their hatred and their bitterness and their anger for all those years, they're going to allow that to advance itself to getting revenge on them. Joseph's brothers are in front of him. He's prime minister of Egypt. He's got the keys to the storehouse where there's food. And imagine what's going on in Joseph's mind. He begins to connect the dots that there was a plan involved here. (laughs) Just as quickly as things went south for Joseph, those many years before, woke up free, went to bed as a slave in one day. Now they're turning in another direction. He gives his brothers food, and I'm skipping a bunch of the story just to get to the point. Some more time passes, maybe another couple of years, and they run out of the food. They go back. And Joseph can't handle 
Yet any more, and he reveals himself to his brothers. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near, and then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, uh, because you sold me here, but God sent me. God sent me before you to preserve life. You only get revelation like that when you properly handle your injustice. In bitterness or anger or vengeance or any other issue in mishandling the injustice would have blocked his ability to see that God had a plan. He was able to discern the purposes of God because he kept his heart right with God. His brothers are shocked. They don't have any power over Joseph like they once did when they sold him into slavery. They perpetrated a terrible injustice. Now Joseph has the power and he uses it for good. Verse six of chapter 45, so now, and I just love this, you have to love this. So now it was not you who sent me here, but they did send him there. They sold him into slavery for, no, 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 no. It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. 17 years later from that point, Joseph's father dies. The brothers become worried. Guilt has a very long shelf life. They're still guilty over what they had done to Joseph, even though now it's about 36 years in the past. Joseph said to them, no, don't be afraid for I am in the place of God. There's a place of God for you after injustice if you handle it correctly. You forfeit that if you mishandle it. Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. All these attributes of Joseph. It's the same attribute that when he saw the sadness of the butler and the baker. When he saw the other prisoners there and figured out a way to serve them. When he was in Potiphar's house uh, and saw a way to bless Potiphar uh, with his integrity uh, and with his hard work. Those good attributes survived. They would have been destroyed under the weight of bitterness and anger had he mishandled the injustice. God needs people he can depend on to keep their hearts right in the face of injustice so he can advance his will. Ernie Lopez, as I mentioned, got a college degree. That was back in the early 80s when all the disciples thought he was gonna die and go to hell for not answering the call of God to preach the gospel. (laughs) But he said, no, I don't feel like I'm called. He went and got his degree and became a leader and council member and an incredible giver and faithful member of the church. And then he ends up in prison, Ernie Lopez in prison. 
It was incomprehensible to us. The three and a half years that he was in prison, he was in a, a, a minimum security. There was no bars or walls or guard towers where he was. It, was, uh, uh, it looked almost a little bit like a college campus, uh, but it was still prison. I would go visit him every Saturday that I was in town. I would visit him for the entire time he was in prison. Those conversations are some of the most meaningful of my life. We talked about a lot of things, but I loved hearing the reports that Ernie would share with me about reaching people in the prison, getting people saved, conducting a Bible study, putting people in touch with pastors uh, as they would get sent uh, uh, out of prison uh, and go to uh, other cities around. He would communicate uh, uh, with those pastors and get them in touch. Six months before Ernie Lopez was to be released in uh, October of uh, 2013, God spoke to me to offer him a staff position in our church. And that happened when I was driving one morning. I would have to leave at about 5.30 in the morning, line up at about uh, 5.15 until the doors opened at 7.30. There was usually 100 or so people there waiting to get in. But God spoke to me to offer him a position of a follow-up pastor, minister of visitation. That's his forte. He loves people. And the more I visited him, the more I learned that here he is in prison serving. He was the quintessential Joseph in the book of Genesis. And of course, he immediately said yes. He still serves in that position today. This has opened the door for Ernie to have an incredible preaching ministry. He's been to Russia. He's been to Holland. He's been to Mexico. He's preached all over the United States. Everybody that meets him and knows him is impressed with him. He began a prison ministry and he doesn't have one tattoo. We have families and people in our church from his ministry, the judge who very unrighteously sentenced him to prison with glee knowing that he'd be uh, uh, written well in the media, started hearing about Ernie's ministry, called Ernie Lopez uh, and said, look, uh, when I'm getting ready to sentence someone, uh, I'm thinking about you uh, and I'm thinking maybe this is someone you can help. Uh, and so Judge Frank Montalvo uh, is sending people uh, to be under uh, Ernie's oversight uh, as we try to help them transition uh, out of prison. You keep your heart right with God, there's a destiny on the other side of injustice. Don't let injustice derail you. Don't let it break the thread and shatter a destiny. And that may be the very reason why you need to come to this altar. It's to get our hearts right, put this situation in the hands of God, and let's see what he will do. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Are you in need of a passport in a hurry? Look no further. Global Passport Express is here to help. With our efficient and reliable services, we can process your passport in as quick as seven days. That's right, just seven days. And that's not all. 
We specialize in visas for many countries, including popular destinations like China, India, and so much more. Whether you're planning a family vacation, a business trip, or your next mission trip, Global Passport Express is your one-stop solution for all your passport and visa needs. So why wait? Reach out to us today at 210-375-7525 to speak with one of our friendly and knowledgeable representatives. They will guide you through the process and answer any questions you may have. You can also visit our website at www.globalpassportexpress.com for more information and to start your application online. It's quick, easy, and convenient. Mention this ad and receive 10% off any of our services. Don't let time constraints hold you back from your travel dreams. Trust Global Passport Express to deliver your passport fast, hassle-free, and with a smile. Global Passport Express, your passport and visa experts. Get ready to explore the world.